Do you like to eat like every day? Do you like to travel for special occasions, food festivals, music festivals, or just save some serious coin on your next vacation? Well, then you have found the right show. A Fork on the Road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living. Actors, musicians, chefs. With me, Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel and the James Beard Award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at TV and on Twitter at MarkDiCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at fbpodcasts.com. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I am your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo, alongside the James Beard Award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. And this is where we bring you every week funny facts on food, travel, and fun. Jennifer, how are you? I am so happy that it's Easter. I love Easter. I love chocolate eggs, but I love jelly beans. My favorite, chocolate peanut butter Reese's eggs. Because you're a travel guy and because this is a travel show, there aren't many Easter things that are worth traveling for, but I'll, I'll share one. And right. there is a place in New York on Long Island, and it's called Henry's. And Henry's has been around for 80 plus years, and they make their own chocolate eggs. They hand wrap, they hand foil wrap little chocolate eggs, and you can absolutely positively taste the difference. And up until a couple of years ago... They made their own jelly beans. They make the best jelly beans in the world. And the chocolate eggs are without peer and parallel. Uh, you're, you're saying you can taste the difference in the eggs because of their hand-wrapped or because of how the, the chocolate no, is the made? No, cho- it's all about the chocolate. I mean, they're hand-wrapped okay. and they're beautiful. Like, they're, ty- they're the little chocolate eggs. Like, you, 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 sure. go, you go to any accounting office this time of year getting ready to pay your taxes, and there's probably a dish of these little chocolate eggs everywhere. So you know right. the kind that I'm talking about. They're probably as big sure. as, you know, the top of your thumb or your thumbnail. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can taste the difference of the chocolate. Henry's chocolate is, is the chocolate egg worth traveling for, in my opinion. But you know who's on with us today? And you know why that's important? Because people who live in that area, that's their local flavor. And... When we talk about great flavors and reasons to travel, we talk about why local flavors give you the impetus and motivation to travel to a place because that taste of place is unique. And when we travel, we want to eat the food of the local place we're going to. And we want to oh, see and that's the, what we're talking about all hour. That's what we're talking about. Talk, yeah. My friend Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel. And when the great yogi said, when you get to a fork on the road, you take it. You take and it. And when we come back, <laughs> We are going to be talking to a man in Cambodia who quit a promising comedy career to open up a hotel and a cafe in Phnom Penh. And can I tell you, I was thinking of you yesterday because do you know what I did last night? I did a laughing meditation. Have you ever done a laughing meditation? It sounds weird. Right, it does, right? Like I tell you, it's the best meditation I've had in a long time. The remarkable uh, author and... um, really master, uh, Pragito Dov, had this session yesterday, and 
led a laughter meditation and all I could think about is the fact that I am so blessed to laugh each and every week when I get time with you because you are truly one of the most gifted funny men yeah. I've ever met and I was grateful and I was heart. thinking of you because one of the one of the ways you prepare for the meditation and I know it's a big thing in the east and I know when we go to Phnom Penh in Cambodia that's a thing but but I was thinking of you and how you make me laugh and how that laughter was what got me into the the Zen place I was I was headed for the for the laughing meditation. Laughing is the best thing for your brain and your body, and uh, you should do it regularly every day. And when our buddy Tim Scott gets on the line, you'll be laughing your butt off. I know. I, I, I can't wait. We're going to take a very quick break, and we come back with Mark DiCarlo and the one and only Tim Scott calling all the way from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. How far would you go for a laugh? Make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is FlavorBank on Twitter and hashtag FlavorBank on Instagram. I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including cranky tourists. Welcome back to Fork on the Road. I'm your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo. She is James Beard, award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. This is where you turn every week to get fun, food facts, travel tidbits, and hear from interesting people traveling to interesting places and eating delicious food all over the world. Later in the show, we got Lawrence Longo from Off the Menu. He'll be back talking about the best Thai and Cambodian towns in cities across America. And right now, we have someone, this has got to be the farthest calling in person we've ever had, wouldn't you say? Um, yes, I think actually it is. Uh, listen, uh, Phnom Penh, I, I, I don't know that I could find it on a map, but that's because I've had a very low quality education. <laughs> <laughs> I need to revive things. And I, I can't tell you how happy I am that Tim's here to, to be with us. Tim, can you teach us the proper way to say welcome in Cambodia? Sabai. Sabai. Saksabai oh, so, means, uh, hi, how are you? How are you? Saksabai. I'm great. Everything's good here. I am in Cambodia, so I think our connection might be a little wonky, as many things are here. Let me set this up for you, uh, folks. Tim Scott was uh, a very funny uh, comedy friend of mine in America. He started to go into uh, producing, and he was an executive. Then uh, his company sent him over to Asia to start producing television shows, and he's been doing that for a decade. And now he decided to junk all that and open up a hotel and restaurant. Wow. What, what, what the hell are you thinking, Timmy? <laughs> I've had this business model for a, I went to a, a Hawaiian luau one time and I, I saw the hundreds of people spending a lot of money for a show that never changes. And so I've been looking in Cambodia for a place, a location to make a dinner theater, actually. And I stumbled on this uh, bed and breakfast, or, or uh, they call it a guest house, uh, with a uh, bar cafe on the side um, of it. And the location was good, and so I thought, well, I've been talking about this idea, and I, I don't want to be one of those Hollywood guys that always is talking about an idea and never does anything. So I had a little time and money, so I, I jumped in, and now I'm, I'm running a, a guest house and uh, a cafe bar, and we're going to remodel and, and get ready for the big show. Tim, what's the name of your place? Downtown Seam Reap Villa is the name of the, the guest house. Uh, and the, the, the cafe is called Rena's Khmer Kitchen. Um, but we'll, we'll be changing the name of that to something like uh, the Cambodian Cabaret. 
um, soon. <laughs> the, Cam- <laughs> the Cambodian Cabaret, that sounds fantastic. Now, Tim, <laughs> Tim is from Minnesota. What was it like for you as a, uh, a self-described pasty Minnesotan to move to Cambodia as a single guy, what is the life there like before we get into the show business part of it? What, what, it, it I'm guessing it's a huge difference from living in Los Angeles or Minnesota. Yeah. The, yeah. It's massive. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I always describe it sadly that it's just kind of more human. Um, you know, like when you go <clears throat> into the rural areas of the States and you're in small towns and, and people drive by you, and they give you the one finger wave over the steering wheel. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know you; you're a stranger, but they give you a smile and a wave or a nod. Um, there's just like more of that here in Cambodia and in Asia in general. It's just the on the street socialness is just overflowing, and everyone. Yeah, the people smiling. in LA give you a one finger wave, but it's a different finger. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. And and being you know like a large white person and they just they think you're so you're so special you know it's like wow look at the live you know large white person. Uh, if you can you, you know, talk about your dating life a little bit, Tim, because it, it it just it 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 I think it's very entertaining. Tim, just remember he asked that and I did not. I was going to well, be a lady uh, and ask uh, you about the thing that excites me the most. Your time as a writer on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh, well, they, they're almost exactly the same. No, um, uh, 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 the dating life, the dating life is what you expect. It's just, um, it's a little different because it's, 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 it's different, a different culture, of course. And so like when you're dating someone or getting to know someone, there's so much more to learn and so much more that's like unique and cool. Um, so that forgives a lot of things. We're, we're much more linear in the West. We're like, you know, we, we really hope that their likes are our likes, you know, like to a large degree. And, and then when you mix the cultures, that isn't really, it's a different thing. It's like the fact that they don't like the same things that you like, it makes it even that much more interesting. Um, so, and, and, you know, if you're a, a foreigner and you're here and you're a kind and decent person and, uh, you know, Nobody talks about like who we are as Western people, uh, you know, in general, of course, I'm, I'm generalizing, but like, you know, for the most part, we're pretty straightforward, decent, honest, giving, kind, socially conscious, uh, people in, in, in Asia, you know, we've been gone a long time. Air. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, but in Asia, you know, because of the economy and that, you know, it, that festers, a lot of things that are more like, you know, they're just a little more, um, they, they, they need stuff, you know, and that kind of creates a me, 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 me society that, you know, it, like it, you know, it's hard to be socially conscious when you're worried about where your next meal's coming from. So, right. um, and I, there, obviously there's a huge difference in culture and comedy, especially improv is, is, is all about shared communal cultural experience. How can you put together a comedy show in a different culture that to me seems impossible. Well, our show, well, the, you have to revert to the, the physical comedy. You just go all physical and you go all silly. Um, and that's where you, you get the biggest wins. Uh, just in my daily life, the best way that I bond with 
Cambodian people is like to just be silly. They just absolutely love it because <laughs> silly, silly because because the people here are very worried about how they look to other people and, and they don't want to lose face in any way. And it's, it's a big concern. And so for someone to be completely free and careless and just be off the wall, silly, they, it just blows their mind, you know, and they just <laughs> absolutely love it. So, uh, so if well, it's an international quickly, language, just, right? Right, right. In fact, we're going to maybe knock off a couple of, Charlie Chaplin routines in our show, you know, just because they're tried and true and they're big and they're physical and you, you don't have to understand a certain language to, to get it. Tim Scott is our guest and he's phoning in. He's a longtime friend of my co-host, Mark DiCarlo. He's one of the funniest guys who is responsible for basically the most popular television programming in Southeast Asia. Um, and as somebody who really knows how to entertain, he has to first understand people and in his role as someone who has been a comedy writer and a producer uh, and the visionary behind let's bowl and among other programs he's done some very interesting things he knows what it takes to tickle people's funny bone make them laugh but most importantly i believe he understands what the word silly means He's our silly expert, and I'm so thrilled you're here. <laughs> you know, you do a lot of serious shows, and you incorporate a lot of people who have really authentic, genuine, God-given talents on programs that are, that are talent showcases. But at the core of it, you are somebody who is fluent in silly. Can you help <laughs> us appreciate how, how important silly is to each of us in our culture? Boy, I think you know I'm I'm over here watching what's happening in the states from afar, and um, and uh, there's never been a, a a bigger need for silliness in each everybody's life, you know, because um, in, in you know in general it's just, it just means that you're not taking something so seriously, you know, mm-hmm. um, that you're letting some stuff slide off, roll off your back, and you're not letting it get like down deep inside you and festering and um, uh, you know, there's quite a lot of stress in, you know, in our modern world, you know, I hate to put it like that, but, you know, and uh, people need more breaks and, and, and being silly um, and, and recognizing like, well, things are kind of getting heavy now in this conversation, you know, and, and just busting it up a bit with some silliness and some fun, you know, that goes a long way for mending relationships and, you know, business relationships and, uh, and just making sure that you come on the, out on the other side of the day with a win instead of just like this constant uh, heaviness caused by, you know, serious problem solving all day. So um, it's you see it. You see it. And I see it in the Cambodian people. You know, they the there's a, there's some heaviness because of, you know, and it's hot here. You know, you, when you add up when sticky life worries. Yeah. Like we're we're going into the rainy season now. So the the humidity is up and. From noon to four, you know, I used to kind of roll my eyes when I see people laying around in hammocks <laughs> in the middle of the day. But, uh, man, you just don't want to be anywhere near that heat, uh, mm-hmm. noon to four. And, and, and most Cambodians have two jobs, and they start at, like, seven in the morning. And they, get, and they leave for their uh, second job around two. And then maybe they get a two-hour break in the middle of the day. And then they work till like, 11 at night. Wow. And each of those, mm-hmm. yeah, each of those jobs pay like between 130 and 
maybe if you're lucky, $200 uh, a month. Wow. Tim Scott is our guest. He's calling in live from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Tim, tell everybody about why Cambodia should be on our bucket list of travel destinations. Especially Phnom Penh, which I believe is where Angkor Wat is, right? That's the the magnificent temple in Cambodia. Actually, that's uh, up in Siem Reap. Um, And Siem Reap, they, they call Temple Town because Angkor Wat is the big, massive, like, mother temple. But there's you know, so many temples. There's uh, Angkor Wat's the most popular, but when you go to Angkor Wat, then you, you can take a tuk-tuk like eight minutes away, and here's another amazing, huge temple. Um, people should come here because it's, uh, because of the war, it's, it's behind, you know. It's getting a lot better, much better. In, in the last six years that I've been here, I've seen it just uh, get better immensely in infrastructure and education and medical and that, but it's still kind of a time warp when you come here. And uh, it's got the, the, the rich history of the Khmer people with the temples that are just uh, amazing, shockingly amazing. Uh, and then it's got like a real simplicity to life here that um, like I hadn't seen in Thailand or uh, Vietnam, well, a little bit in Vietnam, but uh, it's, it's, you know, you're, you, you jump back about 25 years 30 years when you come here and uh and the people are wonderful i mean when i first got here uh the second day i was having coffee in the morning and my face hurt i couldn't understand why my face hurt and then i realized that everybody smiles at you here so you smile back (laughs) and my my face was just tired and smiling my muscles (laughs) it's that extreme in, in addition, like uh, to coming to your guest house and coming to see your show, what um, top five things Americans should see when they're in Cambodia? I mean, besides Angkor Wat, what else is there to do and see in the area that can't be missed? And by the way, Mark, I got to interrupt here because one of the words that he's leaving off is that the Cambodian people are connoisseurs. Not only is Cambodian cuisine one of the great undiscovered, underappreciated cuisines of the world, but in his role in the television world, he had some culinary programs that were hits, uh, and they were hits because they were popular because people are really interested in food, and, and I would be really interested to have him you know, sort of tie that part of his life experience together of you know, Master Chef, etc., um, and and the, and the kind of cuisine that's going to make Cambodia be on everybody's next bucket list at entry. Yeah, I, I finished MasterChef Cambodia in um, August uh, of last year, and um, you know when you do, and I, I produced MasterChef Indonesia also. Um, so when you're deciding on your 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 menu, your your food, your dishes, uh, you know the question always is: as you're trying to make good TV, first of all, but uh, you're in a, a specific country, and in Indonesia, um, there's 17,000 islands with so many different people, and there's 240 million people. We were able to keep uh, the the menu to uh, the dishes about 80% Indonesian, and then we did 20% Western. In um, Cambodia, um, you know, it's only about 15.8 million people here, and uh, there isn't a lot of diversity between the regions. Um, but there still is, you know, they, in Battambang, they cook, um, some things much different than they do in Phnom Penh. And so we kept the menu around 
70 uh, percent uh, Kamai. And uh, the, the Khmer food, the best way to describe it is it's uh, it can be much like Thai food, but uh, just without the like the Thai have really good control over their spices and, and the variety of their spices. And, and mostly Thai food can be uh, much spicier here. The, the curries are more mellow and more rich. Um, and they don't go for the um, the spiciness. Uh, Cambodian food is uh, like every, I've been here six years, and I'm discovering new food just because it's c- kind of niche per village in a sense. Yeah. So mm. when you're traveling, you can like see something and go, "Well, I think I ate that, you know, in that last city, but this looks different." And then you ask them, and then sure enough, they're like, "Oh, you know," and they're very proud of the twist that they put on it. Well, listen, uh, Tim, if you ever need a judge, I've done a lot of food judging, including the National Pie Championships. You're going to see how I'm going to tie this all together, Mark. So I was a judge in the National (laughs) Pie Championships in Celebration, Florida. And the key to a great pie crust, do you know what the key to a great pie crust is? Practice? No, well, yes, practice. Uh, No, one of the keys to a great pie crust is actually making a great pie crust from a really great flavored um, lard or shortening. And one of the best sources for that is uh, one of our guests in the next segment. We're going to bring him on, Eric Gustafson. And we're going to tie it all together because as a judge at the National Pie Championship or on any of these programs that you've got, and boy, wouldn't I like to be a judge at um, MasterChef Bali. I mean, that would be kind of fun and delicious. But more than anything else, it's because when people cook with the intention that they live with, for the people they're cooking for, you can taste it. And what I'm hearing you say about these lovely people, um, the kind and um, really thoughtful, generous people in Cambodia that yeah. you're talking about, it, I, I want to break bread with them. I want to come hang out with them, and I want to discover what they've got going on. Yeah. How can people you know, uh, find you on the web, Tim? What's your, is there a website for the, for the hotel and the cafe? I don't have a, a website up yet. Um, they can find me at, oh, that's a good question. How can I be found? I've been kind of getting lost in Cambodia. Have you? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you're on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. That's, that's sure. I'm on Facebook as Tim Stott. Yep. That's probably the, the, the easiest way to find me. And I do do my business posts on, on my personal page quite a lot. Just quickly touching on Mark's question about what to do here. There's many things to do in Cambodia, not only the temples, but we have really great islands off the coast of Sahinukville that are pristine and gorgeous, you know. Uh, and then we've got uh, up in Mandokiri, we've got the hills where you get a higher elevation. It's very jungle-like and it's cool weather. And, and that's a whole other part of uh, Cambodia that's really interesting because it's uh, the higher elevation, the cool weather, and they grow a lot of coffee up there. Oh, wow. Um, so... Yeah, so we've got like great waterfalls and valleys. Tourists they they come from they do Vietnam usually first, and they go Hanoi, they go Saigon, they go Phnom Penh, and then they go to Siem Reap, and then they move on to Thailand. Um, so uh, that's a good run. You get to see kind of everything here. And all I can think of, Mark, is you going over and visiting Tim and comedians in Cambodia getting great coffee. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Thanks so much for calling in, Tim. I know it's earlier for you over there. Uh, great success with the 
with the show and with the hotel. Keep us up to date, and uh, maybe we can come out there sometime soon and do a remote from Phnom Penh. Listen, Mark, I think yeah. we should go for the opening. I think we should go to the grand opening when Tim opens up. I'll put, I'll put aside a, a seven-minute set for you, Mark. Nice. Oh, thanks, Tim. That's four more than I need. <laughs> he's gonna do. He's gonna do three tight minutes. <laughs> three tight Cambodian. I'll do my best Tim, Cambodian three. <laughs> That's Tim Scott, everybody. Thanks so much for calling in, Tim, and good luck making. It. You're the next. You're the Marriott of Cambodia. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Mark, you know who's here? I hope it's Lawrence Longo. He is, and you know what he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us the greatest Cambodian and Thai towns across the United States. Lawrence Longo, welcome. Fried chicken has honestly taken over Los Angeles. Right. And, you know, Hattie B's, which is, is not in L.A., but, you know, there might be something in the works with off the menu and them coming here. But more importantly, we have some amazing fried chicken. We have Howling Ray's. There's a four-hour line to get this. Wait, what? Chicken. Four hours? It, oh yeah, four hours. Where? There's. It's called. It's at the Far East uh, Plaza in Chinatown, in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. Howling Rays. All right. Yeah, it's other, delicious. Your three, your three places that you mentioned are 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 fabulous spots, and they do amazing fried chicken. But it's old school. People, but it's it's, it's not this crazy Korean fried chicken that's like sweeping the country, or this Nashville hot fried chicken that's sweeping the country. And there's a, another place called Dave's Hot Chicken, which is about a 25 minute line all the time, and it, they make unbelievable fried chicken. Those are two places that I could tell you right off the bat that are just like fabulous. And there's many more. They're popping up all over the place. Earlier in the show, we had Tim Scott on calling in from Cambodia. And he's starting his own restaurant there. He doesn't know. He's been a TV producer, and now he's going to become a restaurateur. And I think maybe it whetted people's appetites for Southeast Asian cuisine. Are there places here in America where we can get good, authentic, off-the-menu Asian cuisine? So there's one and one thing I want to talk about. And it's one of the most famous Thai restaurants. It was Jonathan Gold, Gold, may God rest his soul, favorite Thai restaurant. And we should say Jonathan Gold was the uh, legendary LA LA Times food writer, and he's just a beloved figure in our industry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And he'd find these, like you want to say, hole-in-the-wall, really, really amazing ethnic restaurants like... Uh, in these in, in these strip malls in L.A., and he, he would find, like, the best food at places you'd never, ever even think they existed. There's a spot called Jitlada. It is some of the most authentic and spicy Thai food you'll ever have. But my specialty, as you guys know, is burgers, as I ate 365 burgers last year at a different restaurant all over Los Angeles. And live and to tell of, about it. And one of the best ones I had was an off-the-menu burger at Jitlada. It's called the Jazz Burger. I don't even want to say it's... In some parts, it is famous. People know about this. It's been documented on the Food Network. It is a secret menu item that's not so secret anymore. It is a burger patty without a bun, and it's got all the Thai spices you could ever think of. Mm. All in this one patty on a bed of lettuce and vegetables, and it is the juiciest, most spicy burger you'll ever put in your mouth. Wow. You need to go there and try it. Lawrence, is that one of the items on the off-the-menu app this week? It's not on the app this week. This one is a, 
It's way, it's off off the menu. This is Let's, way off the menu. Mark, we're going to run out yeah. of time. Let's tell everybody where we can find off the menu. You can oh, find sorry. it on Instagram at off the menu, and he's going to list all these places. And uh, we thank him for coming on the show again with all your genius wisdom, Lawrence. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I think he was calling from Thailand, too. <laughs> all right, that wraps up another show. We want to thank all of our guests. Thanks for listening. She's Jennifer English at Flavor Bank, and I'm at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into travel, food, and funny. Until then, I'll see you at a fork on the road.